Hello and welcome to Art Witch, the podcast where creativity, magic, and healing align for personal and collective liberation. I'm your host, Zanetta, and welcome. Art Witch aims to provide resources for creative empowerment, helping folks make and share their art and also find their authentic expression. In this podcast, you'll hear from a variety of artists, witches, and healers, as well as experts in various art industries and related fields, all with the intention of helping folks share their art and their unique magic with the world. Welcome. It's still wonderful to be with you all today and to reconnect. This interview today is something that I've been looking forward to for a while, and I'm so excited to share the work of Edgar Fabian Frias. Edgar is a non-binary, queer, indigenous, and brown multidisciplinary artist, curator, educator, and psychotherapist. I first kind of connected with Edgar's work a while back. I'd say maybe it was a couple years ago, just starting to be in orbit and see some of their offerings and just feel the wondrous play and curiosity from their work in the digital realm. And every time I see a post from Edgar, I feel a smile come to my face there's just such an energy and a quality of love and care and fun <laughs> that comes with Edgar's work that I can't identify with anyone else. So welcome, Edgar. It's so wonderful to be with you today. Oh my goodness. It's such a privilege and honor to be here. And thank you so much for that divine introduction. I'm over here like blushing. <laughs> <laughs> I always ask folks who um, who are being interviewed if they would share a little bit about their creative mystical journey up until this point, you know, a little bit about how you have kind of arrived here and any kind of significant moments in your path. Wow. <laughs> That's such a big question. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm originally from um, Southern California. I was born in East Los Angeles, and I grew up in the Inland Empire in a small town called Bloomington, California. That's really rural. I grew up in a, um, a Spanish-speaking household. My parents came here to the U.S. from Mexico, um, and they were both undocumented. So for a big part of my life, that was like a big thing that really impacted us. And, you know, where I grew up, I you know didn't really see art very much. Um, it wasn't something that was really talked about. Um, my family never went to art museums. We never really, um, you know, we definitely had our art and our culture and our music. So it's definitely, I feel like from a young age, I was listening to a lot of music, um, but I did grow up as a Jehovah's Witness. So a lot of the culture, the images and the sounds I grew up listening to were Christian um, and very Western. Um, and it wasn't until I was like in middle school that I got to go to an art museum for the first time and to see contemporary work. 
And that, I feel, started a huge journey in my life where I just needed to know more. And the deeper I dove into contemporary art practice, I realized how much it connected to psychology and to energy and to um, practices that, you know, extend back into our um, our past. And I think it, it also opened up my mind to the realm of therapy and healing. And so, you know, as, as someone who grew up Jehovah's Witness, I like was not encouraged to go to university. So when I went mm-hmm. to university, I started um, studying psychology and um, but really had a yearning to study art, but felt like it wasn't for me. Mm. Um, and also um, my parents were really discouraging of me even being in school. So um, I had to hide that I was studying art for a while. Um, I, I decided to do a double bachelor's as a way to kind of um, soften the blow once I told my parents about it. Um, and um, but that really, I think, opened up the world where I was like, you know, I can maybe do a little bit of psychology, a little bit of art. Um, and and that's definitely I feel what you know, then led me to down this path, which, you know, has taken me so many places since I, I was an undergrad. I studied art abroad in England. I came back to SoCal and then moved to Portland, Oregon, where I started a queer and trans music and arts festival um, that was like DIY and underground. And so a lot of my roots are from the underground queer anarchist scene. Um, and I think that definitely... Um, you know, it has been a journey to kind of move from that into more institutions and into more and into other spaces. Um, and so I studied um, clinical mental health counseling in Portland. I got my master's in counseling and um, slowly in California earned my license as a counselor. Um, but slowly after I, um, I'm sorry, shortly after I Um, got my license. I was awarded a residency grant here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I am currently. Um, And I've been practicing full-time as an artist uh, for the first time in my life for the last two years. And I was just uh, recently awarded um, entrance into the MFA art practice program at UC Berkeley. And so in a little under uh, two months, I will be heading back to California to live in the Bay and to finish my um, graduate degree program there. Wow, that there's so much medicine already in what you just shared. <laughs> I know, it feels like a lot. There, it is a lot, and yet it's it's really healing to hear that journey of kind of finding your way and kind of staying true to self and finding you know what really lights you up and, and continuing in that direction. And, and just trusting that and kind of going over and over and over and coming back. Because it sounds like there were many, many moments where you could have said, yeah, I guess I'll do what my folks want me to do. Or I guess I'll just, you know, hang here. And that expansiveness, that expansive energy just shining through. Could you talk a little bit actually about, you know, the the feeling, the knowing, and the kind of uh, way that you kind of figured out, yeah, this this is the direction I need to go. Was there any particular way that guidance showed up for you? 
Yeah. Um, you know, the first time I saw art practice um, as a young person, I would say it, you know, contemporary art practice, it, it like immediately without me even doing anything, it just um, took me into an altered state of consciousness. And to me, like that has always guided me. I feel like I'm very much guided by energy, guided by sensation. And so art has always kind of um, opened up that realm for me. Ever since that first experience of being moved into an altered state by uh, an installation, essentially, I've understood like there's something here that is calling me, it's beckoning me. And so as much as I heard growing up, you know, the, the narrative of you'll never make money as an artist, that's only something white people do or rich people do. I just like knew like I knew what I felt and I knew that that feeling was real and that there was something there waiting for me. And so I think that that's really what's pushed me and what's guided me back towards art practice. And also, I think for people who are artists or people who are interested in art making or creativity in general, once you start doing it and you realize how powerful it is, how much it can help you process and understand yourself, how much it can open you up to other ways of knowing and being it's so hard to let it go as much as as much as we might also have to navigate like having you know paying your rent or figuring out how to how to you know live in this um, capitalist system i think there's still a desire for um to have this in our lives oh yes absolutely it's like you find a piece of yourself and you it's like you it's the most painful thing to let that go in some ways, I think when you when you discover it, you're like, oh, I, there's no turning back. This is this is the next direction. Right. Mm. You know, talking about that kind of mystical aspect, I'd love to hear a little bit about your creative process and how your connection to altered states, your magic informs your process of creating and how you how you weave those together yeah yeah it's I feel like I have a pretty diverse creative practice um I definitely would say I am incredibly collaborative I collaborate a lot with people and with energies and with spirits and plants and crystals and so my whole process has really been shaped by this divine universe i feel as if for a long part of my life i've received messages um, about projects about myself i've been turned my awareness has been turned to different spaces because of messages from um from spirits from ancestors one of the kind of biggest moments for myself was i was studying abroad um, and I was studying art practice at the University of Leeds in England. Mm-hmm. And there was a day, you know, in the middle of the night that my ancestors, and I didn't know it was my ancestors at the time, but my ancestors woke me up and there was like a drum in my head and I could hear just the word like shaman, shaman, shaman over and over again. And at the time I had like, no, I didn't really know. I had heard the word shaman, but it wasn't really aware of it too much. And you know, so it really kind of opened up this like journey into like studying what shamanism was uh, and is and how it spread throughout the world and learning about altered states and about communities, you know, having medicine people, having intermediaries, having visionaries. And, you know, many times these people also being gender expansive and 
um, also being liminal in many different ways. And that just kind of, I think, really has um, allowed me to unfold into a role that I feel my ancestors have really been wanting me to be in. So to be, mm-hmm. you know, you know, a, a liminal intermediary person who does navigate art practice and also healing practices and sacred practices. Um, and that is definitely where I feel the collaboration comes in, where um, I'm led, I'm guided. And and so a lot of the work I've done with people, both as a psychotherapist and also as an artist um, and in leading workshops and events is I love guiding people towards their own intuition, towards, you know, the subtle voices, the subtle energies we have within, because I think there's so much, so much medicine to be received from those spaces and from and also from cultivating that space. Um, mm-hmm. And I see it as another way of collaborating also as really helping, um, yeah, supporting someone in that process. Cause I know I have been supported so much you know, by healers and medicine people and therapists to also kind of tune into those energies. And it's really been life-changing. And, and I think connected to that, I have um, a ceremonial practice that I work with where I do divination work. I work with hydromancy and geomancy. I work with obsidian and water and quartz. Um, And I work with those as mediums to also connect with the spirit realm and to receive information about uh, projects, about, you know, where my journey is taking me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It sounds like there's really just no, there's no start or end to where your connection to spirit, your ancestors, your art, and just expression of self, you know, begins or ends. There's no, there's no seam in that. It's all connected so deeply and informed so deeply. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and in the same way, I feel like a spirit has also guided people into my life and plants and animals and crystals and, yeah, and that's also connected to that too. And I feel um, that's something I've been really in love with the the webs that we've been weaving online and creating community with each other and meeting each other in person when we're able to and collaborating in that way as well. And so I really feel like um, my ancestors have guided me into kind of living in a reality that as a young person, I could have never imagined myself being in. Wow, wow. That kind of gave me chills a little bit. <laughs> yeah, because there is that aspect of like what you can envision and what you can imagine at one place in your journey. And then, you know, a little further down the line where what you can imagine and what's opening up, it's it's almost like you're in a totally different dimension from where you were. Yeah. I think a lot of folks are actually who are listening are probably feeling some kind of fizziness about some of the things that you're talking about, specifically about your mystical practice and how that kind of informs your creative practice. I'd love to, um, to just get your, your take on this. Are there any suggestions that you would have for someone who who's feeling activated and energized by, by what you're talking about, a starting place, a place to, to test the waters a little bit. Yeah. Oh my goodness. There's so many entry points. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
Yeah, um, I could share a little bit about kind of what, in a way, like the, um, some of the practices that I've used and how they've helped me um, and just kind of as maybe little guidance um, for if people want to try try some of them out. Um, you know, one of the things that I feel is really important for me to constantly remember is that in our society, we're really encouraged to be within a specific form of consciousness, um, one that, you know, really helps us, you know, pay our bills and make sure we get to things on time and, um, you know, really manages our life. And I think the manager is really helpful and I really appreciate the manager. It's how I'm able to do so much. And I also have to remember that um, I also need to expand my awareness and allow the manager to rest and allow other parts of myself to come forward. And so I, you know, I use so many things to do that. Um, I love play. Play to me has been so healing to be able to embrace play and to see it as, you know, a joyful and also serious practice that is really emergent and opens up so much possibility. Uh, so I would say make moments in your life to play, find out what play means for you, how you mm. enjoy playing. Um, one way I enjoy playing is I love um, to be outside, to be, to feel the wind, to take in the sensations of nature, to hear the animals, to look at the clouds. Those are all things that are so refreshing and healing for me. Um, and then, you know, on the other side of that, I also, I love video editing. I love working on Photoshop. I love um, creating things in the digital realm and allowing myself to channel through these digital mediums. Um, and so those are things that I do, you know, that sometimes do end up in my art practice. And many times they're also things that I do just to play and process and to be with myself. And so I definitely recommend um, if people are looking for an entryways to find, you know, those things, that thing that really gives you joy and to weave it into your life and to use it as a place to process and to explore and, you know, to know that it doesn't have to be something you show people. It doesn't have to be something that you quote unquote feel good at. Really, it's about moving and working with energy. Oh, I really, really love how you mentioned it doesn't have to be something that you show other people. You know, I think that that's something we get really tripped up on in this day and age where it's, it's like we're almost re-patterned to think of, of everything that we're doing within the scope of how can it be shared? How can it be uh, in some ways monetized? How can it lead to something else? Right. And I think that's a really, really important part about the play conversation is that, you know, it is for you. <laughs> right. It is for you. Right. Do you ever feel like that's challenging to to parse out like what is for you and what is is for others yeah <laughs> i think as an <laughs> artist that can be really challenging because there are many things that start off as play and then become projects you know and then mm -hmm. have logistics or you know need to be worked in a certain way that then becomes work um and so that does get challenging sometimes kind of feeling the blurriness of those lines, especially as someone who's been practicing full-time as an artist. I love what I do. Like, I feel like it. I need to constantly remind myself to cherish my life. Even if I'm in the middle of a project that's so frustrating, I have to just remember, 
like you are getting to live this form of life and that mm. in in and of itself is such a huge blessing to be able to um live my life um really you know creating the projects that i'm inspired to create um but then you know but then you know also acknowledging that it is work and um i think that's something that as a young person i needed to really um i did a lot of labor as an artist because it was something i enjoyed and so i wanted just to do it and i didn't care if i made money i didn't care um if you know how it was perceived or not <laughs> in many ways um mm. and so and then at some point i had to kind of have that realization of like um i need to make money i need to also um survive in this system and so and I also have to take treat my work as something that is valuable because I think, you know, people who do all sorts of labor, it's not just in the arts, but I think people who are in um, different um, forms of work or labor, um, many times some of it can be seen as something that's free or something, you know, people assume, oh, because it's fun for you, it doesn't it's, you know, either not serious or it's not that valuable. And those are things that are, are nuanced conversations that I feel like I've had to really process and grapple with. And, you know, and especially on top, adding on top of that is the imposter syndrome that, you know, white supremacy, you know, homophobia mm-hmm. um, create for uh, people at different intersections of not feeling like your work is valuable or not feeling like you deserve to get paid. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that brings up the question of, you know, moving from that kind of more, you know, doing lots and lots of labor as a younger artist, and then starting to move into the realms of having your work shown in galleries or having, you know, a fellowship or having, you know, more of this institutionalized support and and accessing these systems and structures that are typically labeled as fine arts. And that we start to kind of, you know, have to navigate and it's just incredibly personal, incredibly personal journey to figure that out. But I'd love to hear a little bit about how you've navigated moving your work into those realms and working with those systems authentically. Yeah. So, you know, how I mentioned that in Portland, Oregon, I used to run a queer music and arts festival with some friends of mine. And the reason we started that was because we felt rejected by those systems, Um, because we felt many times that a lot of the galleries and museums were only showing the work of cis white men um, Mm -hmm. or just white people in general. And so a lot of my friends, we just felt so disillusioned by those systems. So I think something that was really healing was kind of taking that power and agency back and being able to say, I'm going to make a space where I get to define what it is and we get to share and connect within that space outside of the institution. So I'm someone who started in many ways, like feeling um, apprehensive and maybe even a little bit antagonistic against these systems. Mm-hmm. So I can definitely understand that feeling of like, it It has been a, a journey to like, be able to actually feel okay and, and learn how to navigate those systems. And I'm still on it. And it's definitely something that I'm learning about constantly because I feel like there's so much within these institutions that is kind of hidden or not talked about like where money comes from or what political, social, cultural, financial reasons they have for starting certain programs or having certain exhibitions. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And so I think that's something that I've really, um, 
have had to kind of sit with is um, where do I want my work seen? What's the purpose behind this project? And also how do I, um, in some ways, like how do I create the spaces that I want to create knowing that, you know, some curators are going to be thinking about your work through a lens that maybe doesn't make sense for you or that doesn't really fully resonate. And so finding a way to translate what you're wanting to do has also been challenging. Um, But it's also, I think it's something that is a capacity that I think a lot of artists have to develop is, you know, a lot of artists, we exist within these sacred um, other realms where we're, you know, I think our consciousness can move up into the, into the heavens or can move down into the earth and, you know, to be able to bring some of that knowledge that we're able to contact um, and to, to ground it into the language of the institution is definitely its own form of art practice, I feel. Mm, mm, absolutely. Yeah, that translating. And I, I think I think I got into this with Eliza, Eliza Swan, in right. our second episode. We were kind of talking a little bit about, you know, constraint as a creative medium Mm. and so working within these material structures and systems as being actually like an activator i mean it it is easy to go in and say oh you know this this system it's really tough it's really limiting and yes there's that aspect for sure and there's also the aspect that our creativity is boundless our connection to spirit is boundless and in that there is so much multi-dimensional possibilities and solutions and ways to actually kind of i mean i don't love using uh, uh verticality as a term but mm. to level up in the way right. that you do things in the way that you you approach stuff and get to know yourself even that much more deeply. Yeah. And I, you know, something that I remember speaking about with Eliza, that's really helped me. Um, Eliza has started teaching um, within at a university and I, you know, this semester at UC Berkeley, I'm a graduate student instructor for the first time. So I'm, I'm working with students right now. <clears throat> and something she said to me when we were talking about it, she mentioned, you know, how, a lot of these institutions are really struggling to um, to level up themselves, to keep up with the unfolding ways that our paradigms are shifting on this planet. And that in many ways, their systems are still so inadequate at bringing in, you know, some of these elements that we've been talking about, spirit and connection and altered states. And so Eliza really has, you know, has really helped me understand how valuable we are as people who can be intermediaries, who, who do know how to navigate other realms, that these are things that the institutions are barely starting to understand and are still in many ways having problematic understandings of. And so I think that has really helped me to kind of really see like, wow, like I'm really valuable in this space. So instead of feeling like, do I have anything to offer because I'm like a weird queer witch who's been doing stuff in the underground for so long it's like yeah you do like this is something that the institution is really needing and not just the institution but the communities that are connected to the institution and I think that's a big part of um, why I've been wanting to move into these spaces is because it allows you to access people and to access and be connected to communities 
that would potentially not, you know, not go to your event that's in the middle of the desert, you know, or that's yeah. underground. Um, because, you know, people do um, attach certain values to these institutions and systems. Hmm. I really love, love hearing about the idea that, one, you are not in a in a space of deficit, but you're actually adding, you're contributing so much to being a part of these spaces and being a part of these uh, projects, which will reach folks. I mean, you think about it, it, that's how you were reached, like as a middle school student, right. you know, and that's, woo, that's powerful, full circle yeah. medicine. So, <laughs> so I mean, gives me like deep, deep chills thinking about that because it's, I, I completely feel you on that. You know, I also grew up in the Inland Empire and I didn't really have the chance to go to a museum very often. And I was very fortunate to have a parent who was a, a drummer, but that, that like outreach element, it is because of those larger programs you know, within, you know, the Getty or something like that, that allowed me to kind of see, Hey, there's something else. There's something else besides the four walls that you live within. And, you know, the, the handful of dusty streets that you grew up on, there's some other stuff and also some deep stuff within that. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, and I, what I keep hearing in my head is God express the smugglers and the people that enter into these spaces, knowing that they're there to, to be there for that person who needs them, you know? And I think I'm so grateful to the divine for bringing these sacred intermediaries into my life in the moments where I needed them the most. And so I also feel like there is a sacred organization that's happening and I really want to trust and believe that you know we're we're guided to go where we're meant to be and so if that is an institution that definitely means that there's going to be someone there who's needing your message who's needing your medicine to come forward oh well I'm reminded of that amazing tarot reading you gave me a while back when I was navigating kind of a big fallout with like a grant And you gave me that powerful reading that reminded me of, of just kind of that larger, that larger organization. And it, and it really was true for me. It was so true. I ended up very shortly after that getting a different grant, but with an organization that was much more aligned Mm. and I was like, oh, Edgar, <laughs> like, I just kept thinking, I was like, oh, <laughs> just, you know, kind of like, oh, you just, you knew. <laughs> uh, and, and that was a really pivotal moment. And you were an intermediary for me mm-hmm. in that moment. Uh, I really, really needed that message and that reminder to be grounded in, in kind of a sense of like, you know, you're, you're putting out the work and you're trying your best and just let it let it be right. on some level. Oh. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I'm so happy to hear that. And it's such an honor. And, and that also feels full circle medicine right there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so crazy. These concentric circles yes. of sharing and receiving, sharing and receiving yes. over and over and over again, which 
kind of breaks down all this hierarchy that I I think I've carried a lot in my lifetime as, as trying to put out my art. I just thought, you know, I have to be here. I have to be there. I have to get to this point. And it's like, well, actually, this spiralic sharing over and over and receiving, it's like there's it's really like that we're all kind of growing and deepening together, but not necessarily like in this just vertical uprising instantly, you know, of self, of self and, and, you know, individual work, but there's actually a lot more energy being transferred and informing. And it's, and it's part of like a larger growth pattern that I think is happening. And so it's easy to get swept up in like, okay, well, I see so-and-so with X amount of followers. And I guess like in order to get my artwork in this institution or to reach this goal of mine, I need to get to XYZ level. And I think that's, that's something that a lot of us are struggling with in, in this community, just trying to recognize that, that we have agency at any point of access, at any point of arrival, would you share a little bit about that in your journey and your experiences? Yeah, um, I, you know, I, as I've said, I, I'm someone who has felt rejected so much and has felt so isolated in my practice and in the work that I've done. And it's really, I think I love what you're saying about the spirals and the and the connections that happen. I think um, sometimes those feelings of anger or resentment or exclusion and isolation can really be powerful guides to then move you into something else. And, and I know I sat within those emotions for a while and, you know, it really pushed me to start to say, okay, um, I don't want to feel disempowered anymore. <laughs> you know, like, how do I, how do I create a space for myself to, um, to celebrate myself, you know, and to invite other people to celebrate me too. And, you know, and that's definitely something that has been a journey because I, you know, grew up as a middle child in my family. And I feel like the middle child, you know, traditionally is either ignored or not understood. And I very much felt that in my life a lot. Um, And I definitely had a lot of, um, messages inside myself saying like no one will ever understand you no one will ever get you Mm. and that was something that I've done a lot of healing around just because it was something that was really hurtful to me but it was also something that I like organized myself around that I like almost saw the world in that way yeah and and I needed a lot of support to let that go and to feel safe enough to finally be like, okay, hi, I'm here. Do you want to see me? You know, and that's such a scary space to kind of be vulnerable and to show yourself. And so something I really encourage people is find those friends, even if it's one person, even if it's a plant or your pet, some some being to be with you as you share, as you feel that feeling of pride of, um, yeah, of sharing something that came from within. And I think, I almost see it as a scaffolding process where, you know, Mm. you show a little bit, you let yourself be seen a little bit. And then the next time you take a bigger risk, you show a little bit more. 
And yeah, there might be moments where people don't fully understand or you might not get the response you get, but that's part of the journey and part of the growing and of expanding. Um, one word I've, I've learned in um, the therapy realm is our window of tolerance. And that window of tolerance is the space that we can work within is how much we're able to take and we can expand upon the window of tolerance the more we work with it. And so, um, and as you know, I've definitely taken a lot of risks and, uh, and I think the risks I've taken have really allowed me to slowly, slowly expand that window of tolerance to get myself to a point, as I said earlier, that I would have never seen myself in. And so I didn't just get here overnight. It's definitely been a journey that has had a lot of moments of starting over, of having to go back to therapy, of not making art, of needing to just focus on my healing, needing to focus on only being a therapist, like, and just knowing that it's not a linear journey, that you're going to go through different cycles of energy and to honor each, each of those spaces. Because I think that's something that also, um, you don't really understand when you're seeing someone with a lot of followers or getting big opportunities, you just think to yourself, wow, they just got there. And it's like, you don't know if they have spent five years not working on art mm -hmm. or processing something like it's these moments that happen, I think, through that journey. Um, and also, I think one thing, you know, what, what you were talking about really made me think of is there's ways that sometimes having these goals is really helpful and valuable and can guide us towards places, but it can also help us not allow us to witness what's actually happening in, in our lives. Mm. And I thought about a lot that this year because, you know, this year I had all these plans, all these trips, you know, that I was hoping to take. And mm. my whole year got fully turned upside down, like almost everyone else's. And, I feel like there is a part of me that for a while wanted to be like, this year is ruined, nothing's happening this year. But the more I've kind of sat with it, the more I've realized like, wow, I've been growing so much this year, so much has happened. And, you know, and that either some of that is seen online and seen out in the exterior, and some of that is happening fully within. And so understanding like this is also part of the journey. And even if the goal is not here that I had in my head, about this year, um, I have been also, um, yeah, I'm living within another unfolding that wasn't planned. And I think that's also really beautiful is that, you know, our plans can sometimes be thrown out the window by the universe. And I really, really try to trust. Um, that's a big part of my spiritual practice is trusting that the universe is guiding, even mm. as painful or as uncomfortable as it might seem. Mm. That's some really, really important transmissions that are coming through about 2020 and just that trust piece you know we're white we're we're heading towards Samhain we're heading towards the dark half of the year we're really getting into these spaces of sitting with death and kind of connecting with that energy and I think that there's power in opening to that surrender, um, opening to what we're not maybe always able to witness by externalizing so much and putting so much energy outward. And so it's interesting to hear how your plans have shifted so much. I know a lot of folks have experienced that on some level, but then to see all the amazing things still that you have kind of connected with and actually you know, moving into like what's coming up, 
you actually have some really powerful offerings that, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of curious if they were already kind of in the works at the beginning of this year, or if they actually shifted or, you know, you have this full moon obsidian, which is confluence workshop on the 31st, which is this week when this episode will come out. Could you share a little bit about the planning of that, you know, and the inspiration for that and how you knew to bring that into the world? Was that kind of well in advance or I'd just love to hear a little bit about some of the offerings you have coming up? Yeah. Um, so the, you know, the Witches Confluence has been planned now for, I think, almost a year. And so for a while, I was definitely planning on going to the Bay Area and meeting with everyone there in person. And, you know, after the pandemic, hit, it slowly, you know, it, it definitely became an understanding that we were going to be doing it virtual. Um, and, and I guess one thing that's interesting is that, you know, I, at the beginning of this year, wasn't... Um, fully sure where I was going to be or how the end of the whole year would look like. And um, I'm just like really grateful that I was able to get into the master's um, in art practice at UC Berkeley, because thankfully um, they're really, they're supporting us and coming back to California. And so that's definitely been like a big curveball that like kind of shifted how I thought the year was going to unfold. Yeah, so on November 8th, um, I have a workshop offering that um, I'm doing in collaboration with a group of students at UCLA who are in Professor David Shorter's um, ritual healing um, class. And this is a tactical magic, um, plant magic workshop. It's called Spontaneous Communion, happening on November 8th. And I'm hoping to share um, in the many different ways that I've worked with plants and connect with plant magic and offer it um, to the community. So anyone is welcome to join. Um, I am asking for donations either for myself or to an amazing cause um, at the border um, in Southern California. Um, you can find more information on my website. And no one is turned away for lack of funds. A lot of the work that I do, um, I try to make it accessible. Um, all of my energy work, my workshops, my tarot readings, all the work I do, I try to do it um, sliding scale, um, donation-based, so that I can connect with as many people as possible, knowing that um, so many people are um, needing this kind of support. Mm, I very, very much feel that. Especially, you know, thinking about the different points of access we have on our journeys and how they're not always the same as where we are now, as where we were then, and kind of making this work accessible to anyone at any part of that circle of access. Right. Yeah. I'd love to hear, this is actually our last question, and I don't want this interview to end. <laughs> I just want to live in this bubbly, fuzzy, amazing, playful, wondrous world that you have woven. And I guess the final question is, what advice would you have for your younger emerging artist self? <sighs> Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, I think one big thing I would share with them is go within, listen to your heart, listen to your desires, and don't listen to 
the noise that's telling you that you need a job or that you need to find a career. Just know that your passions and your dreams are so valuable and they're so real and just trust in the way that your life is going to unfold and know that you will find ways to care for yourself, to receive the community and the, um, the love that you've been seeking and know that it's out there um, and, and just know that maybe it doesn't seem real in this moment, but your journey is going to take you there. And so really trust in the process, trust in the process that is unfolding and that you're being guided on. And just let go of this idea that you have to have one career or one job because that paradigm is so over. Mm. Oh, so, so beautiful. Those waves of love. Oh, so wonderful. Thank you so much, Edgar, for all of your wisdom. Just the... potent powerful energy that you shared through this podcast it's remarkable and such a miracle you know i know that there are a lot of folks who want to connect with you they're gonna wanna they want to connect they're gonna want to you know get involved with all the magic that you're creating would you share the best ways to get in touch with you or to you know get a reading or see your work or anything like that Yeah, so the best place to see more about my work is on my website, which is www. I don't know if I said too many W's, but www.edgarfabianfrias.org. I update there um, different events that I'm working on um, or workshops or exhibitions that I'm going to be a part of. and also on there, you can find ways to connect with my sacred practice, which is our sacred web. And that's where I offer tarot and individual guidance and workshops. So you can reach me through there. I also have a newsletter that you could find through my website. And I'm actually sending out my newsletter this week. So if you're listening to this, uh, feel free to sign up for the newsletter and I will send it out to you this week as well. Um, And that will also give you a lot more information about ways to connect with me and to also um, have some, there's some limited edition um, work that I've released that you can also um, have access to. And I just want to say thank you so much, Zanetta, for having me on this podcast. I feel like you and I have been collaborating in this really sacred way where I feel the energy just joyously moving through us. I feel our younger selves here present from the IE kind of witnessing in awe of this whole process and being like, oh my goodness, (laughs) who are these divine beings that we've become? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Edgar. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) If you enjoyed today's episode of Art Witch, please consider subscribing or writing a review. Each and every little bit helps spread the word to more and more people.